0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feemster. We're so glad that you are with us this morning. If you're a guest, we want to welcome you. Uh, You may have picked up one of our gift bags on the way in. Uh, If you didn't, we would encourage you to get one on your way out. Uh, It just has some more information about NCC and a small gift from us to you. Well, this morning, it's the second Sunday in September, which is designated uh, for our annual report. And we take this opportunity to give you a quick highlight of what has occurred during the past uh, fiscal year for the church and provide a, some information on, on what God has done through all the ministries of New Covenant Church and also give you a high level financial update. There's going to be a lot of things uh, in here to give God praise about. Um, so I, let's hold our applause and, and we'll give praise uh, once and for all for everything at the end. Um, this Out in the foyer, there's a full annual report. It's uh, 16 pages long. You can also get a soft copy of it on our website under the About Us page. Um, and so those 16 pages are a high-level summary of what God did at NCC today, or in this last year. What I'm about to give you is a high-level summary of the high-level summary. Um, so we're going to go pretty quick, try to keep it quick, and Pastor Gerald will get up here and uh, continue his Following Jesus series. Uh, so this year, we had 25 professions of faith and rejoiced together with family and friends as we baptized 12 we ministered to the community locally, nationally and worldwide through ministries that we support and also the ministries locally uh, that we do here at NCC uh, with just over $128,500. We supported our local pro-life pregnancy ministry, our Young Life of Lampassis ministry, the Gesher Forum, which is a ministry to Israel, an evangelistic ministry in Israel, just to name a few. And the full list of all the ministries we support and what they do is again in that full report. Uh, Our NCC Early Childhood and NCC uh, Kids Ministry this past year uh, once again uh, competed against each other uh, in a fun competition of raising food for our Lampasas mission for Thanksgiving meals. This year they set a record by raising uh, or gathering enough food to provide 101 complete Thanksgiving meals, and then the church uh, donated the funds to purchase that many turkeys. Um, And that it added up to uh, 1,650. Pounds of food, and what you see there is one of three truckloads that we took over to the mission. Uh, I want to thank Marissa Skiles and the Wings of Eagles ministry. Uh, Those kids that that she ministers to came and actually helped us transport all of that food from the church to the mission. And there's a photo of them in the full uh, report if you would like to see that. We also continue to give out literally hundreds of copies of the Ten Steps Toward Christ book. You can find this each and every week in our foyer. It's our gift to you or to those uh, that you know. And it's uh, Ten Steps Toward Christ, and it's very uh, simple to understand. It outlines... Uh, principles like salvation, baptism, communion, and seven other basic principles of the Christian faith. And so we encourage you to give these to anyone that you know that is trying to follow Jesus Christ in their life. We'd also encourage you to walk with them through it. You can use that as a discipleship opportunity. These are just a few of the many ways that NCC continues to reach out to our community and beyond. This year, our NCC Early Childhood Ministry, uh, which was birth to four, expanded to pre-K and kindergarten, and they took on our puppet show ministry. They ministered our little ones each week with the gospel through fun, activities, praise and worship, Bible-based lessons, and puppet shows, as you can see on the screen. Uh, our NCC Kids Ministry was excited to move into NCC West, our new children and youth building in this year. You can see a photo of our kids watching a skit led by Juliana Duamina, who's one of our youth. Our youth uh, serve in many areas uh, in NCC. Each Sunday morning and Wednesday night, our NCC Kids Ministry reaches out to the first through fifth graders of our community with fun activities, praise and worship, Bible lessons, skits, and small groups. And this year we peaked at 96 kids in one Wednesday night. Our, youth, our NCC youth ministry reached 85 unique youth this year with worship, the word, and small group ministry. They also participated in events and game nights, and we took a bunch of them to camp, as you can see in this photo. Our youth also faithfully serve in many of the areas of NCC, including early childhood, NCC kids, and the youth and adult worship teams. You can see a photo of them as they led, helped lead our adult worship just a few weeks ago. These three ministries would not be possible without uh, three leaders, um, Amanda Allen, Candy Valdez, my wife, and Tammy Self, um, but also the 42 adults and 33 youth that faithfully volunteer in each one of these areas to love on your kids. And they do a great job of it. In addition to these ministries, we're blessed by our amazing worship team that leads us in worship each and every week. We have uh, life groups, which are our small groups, the This Marriage Ministry, and you can see a photo of one of our uh, couples bingo nights where we gathered for fun and fellowship. Women's ministry, men's ministry, greeters, safety team, hospitality, intercessors, and the list goes on and on. And again, all those are highlighted more in the full report. The other photo that you see on the screen is an NCC Kids small group that's meeting in our completed upstairs youth room. None of these ministries would be possible without each of our faithful volunteers, and we can't say thank you enough. NCC West was completed in 2021, almost $50,000 under budget, and all praise and glory goes to God. Yes, um, as you know, construction prices have been doing nothing but going up, yet God um, brought that project under budget. Phase four of our Generations project from the very beginning was to refresh the room that we're in now, our sanctuary, with new carpet, chairs, paint, and uh, other necessary updates. And God led us to do NCC West um, by not going to the bank and getting a loan and told us the same thing for this project. So that $50,000 that has rolled over, um, the original uh, cost, as you can see, was 850 dollars almost, and we ended up at $800,000. The original that we were estimating for this update was 150. We've put in that other 50 just for budget in 2022, knowing estimates have probably changed. So the total is still the original total that it was. We're going to be getting new estimates, and once we get those, we'll update you with that. Um, but again, just for our, our this next budget, that's the number that we're planning for for, for the cost of those for the updates uh, here and any, any contributions you'd like to make toward that, you can continue to just uh, allocate it to generations and it will be set aside for that, uh, for the refresh of the sanctuary. It's been over 20 years and with each passing year, it becomes more evident if you look at our carpet. Try not to look too hard. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't look good. Um, so we're going to finish with a high-level financial update, but before we do that, I want to take a minute to acknowledge our financial review board. Uh, we have a group of six members that help us provide uh, financial tr- transparency and accountability throughout the year, and these people are made up of members of the congregation. They each serve a three-year term, and this year Sally Baxter and Jean Kulin will be rotating off of the team, and Amber Cox and Trudy Perry have joined the team. Those continuing to serve out their terms on the board are Lewis and Michelle Iconin, Shelley Mulcahy, Tammy Brown, and Dennis Wichelt. If you have any financial questions about what you read in the report or at any time throughout the year, feel free to ask one of them, one of our elders or myself and we'd be happy uh, to share a lot of detail, probably more than you would care to know. Um, This year we received tithes and offerings of just over $548,000 and building contributions of just over $73,000 along with net other income of just over $410,000. Just to explain what that net other income is, That's the money that we had been setting aside, think savings account, for the NCC West. And so we set it aside, and then when we spent it the way we do uh, our accounting, then it counts as income at that point. And then we had the same offsetting expense, so it zeroes itself out. Um, And so that's what that number is. And then we had... um, a total of expenses of 549000 and generations expense of 482, which was not only the completion of NCC West, but then setting aside that $50,000 as the starting fund for the sanctuary, um, which leaves us with a net income of zero. And finishing the year with a net income of zero is actually our target. We give every dollar a name in our budget and strive to be the best stewards that we can with the money that God has blessed us with for ministering of his word We don't spend every dollar that comes in. We follow the budgets that we set for our ministries at the very beginning of the year. And any funds that come above and beyond that are allocated by the elders as as God leads. And for the last couple of years, that's been totally going to NCC West and now the Sanctuary Remodel. Um, So now let's give God praise for everything that he's done this year. He accomplished it. There's no other way that um, everything that has been done could have been done without God's hand involved throughout the whole thing. And I want to thank each and every one of you uh, for your continued support of NCC with your time, your talents, your tithe, and offerings. None of the ministries that we've just highlighted this morning could have been accomplished without each and every one of you answering uh, as God led. We count it as a joy and a blessing to serve alongside each of you, our church family, in advancing the kingdom of God. And it's our prayer that God will continue to allow us the blessing of inviting all people to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through a relationship. Join me now in welcoming Pastor Darrell as he continues the series, Following Jesus. Thanks, Chris.
1: God is good and so are you. Thank you. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. It was the early 1980s. Uh, my family and I moved from everything familiar that we had spent our whole life in this one area to pastor a congregation in Haskell, Texas. This was going to be quite a change for my family. But it's also going to be an opportunity, a new challenge, a fresh start, an opportunity to grow. We'd been there a few years, uh, I think about three or four. The church was doing well, but I wasn't. My expectations and my dreams were not developing like what I had envisioned. And the harder I tried, the more I committed, studied, prayed, the more disillusioned. I became. I was doing five preparations a week, speaking over five times a week. I've been doing that for about four years. And, uh, I thought the reason things were not developing in me must be my own fault because, after all, I'm the pastor. And I was young and I had plenty of energy, had a good congregation, and had great support. But more, the more that I did, the more that I, the more discouraged I became. This wasn't because things weren't going well in the church or not happening in the church. But things weren't happening in me. I was supposed to be the leader. But I didn't have a clue where I was going. Family finances were difficult. They were tight. I didn't know how to handle that. Pressures. Fears. When I'd go to bed at night, my mind wouldn't shut off. I'd wake up early. I'd try harder, I'd make more commitments, I'd study more, I'd promise more. Until one day, I came home from my office and told Connie, my wife, I think I'm losing my mind. In fact, right now, I would rather be doing anything than this. And she said what most wives would say, but what would we do? And I was even thinking about going back home to farm. Perish the thought. Because I hated farming. But right right then, home and farming seemed like a good idea. We prayed through it. We talked about it. So one day in my office at the church, I told God, God, if you don't come through, if you don't do something that changes things, if you don't do something in me, I'm through. I don't have to do this. I'll call it quits. Right now in America, there's a lot of people who are overwhelmed, over over overextended. The pace and the pressures and the pain of life have taken their toll and there's a lot of people checking out whether they admit it or not. Stepping back. It looks like we're no longer living life, but life is living us. We don't know who to trust. We don't know what to believe. We don't know what to do. We try to hide it. The stiff upper lip thing. The smile. But underneath there's this feeling that nothing is going to change. There's a word for that. It's called hopelessness. And hopelessness makes you feel alone, afraid, and uncertain of everything. Have you been there? I would imagine probably there's some sitting at home this morning watching us online that they know exactly what I'm talking about. We had the best intentions but somewhere down the line, we get discouraged, and disillusioned, and we get tempted to call it quits. And some call it quits. It's over 1,500 pastors that quit the ministry every year. Some may be reasoned to other things, but here's the whole point: it's not about pastoring. It's not about. It's about what do you do when you blow it? What do you do when? Things are not working out like you thought they were. When all of the, the promises become empty. Pastor Chris gave us a word last week. I want to start with that word. It's Matthew chapter 11. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it in a different translation. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28-30 And the message says this. Are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is inviting. Come to me. Recover your life. I will show you. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. That sounds like following Jesus to me. What happens when you want to quit? When the pain and the pressure become so intense that it even doesn't look like God can come through? What if I blow it? Let me put your mind at ease. You will. We all do. I just wish there'd be just one time. Realize we have an enemy That that will do everything he can to keep you from following Jesus. The question is what does Jesus do when you blow it? What would he do if you quit? What would you do, what would he do if you turn your back? You want to see? Look at Luke chapter 22, very familiar passage, but there's a part in here that a lot of times we don't see. Jesus is eating his last Passover meal. He institutes what we call the Lord's Supper, which we will serve congregationally next week. His disciples have been with him for three years. He's washed their feet. He's instructed them. He's corrected them. He's loved them. Satan has entered Judas and Judas has left him. And Jesus, in the midst of all of this that's going around, going on, he says something personal in verse 31 to Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he, Peter, said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he, Jesus, says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you will deny me, to die three times that you know me. I will go with you. To prison and to death. Peter truly believes that he will go to, to die for Jesus. In fact, he had just pulled out his sword and cut off an ear to protect Jesus. And now, Jesus is telling him, you're going to deny me. And here's the thing I want you to see in this. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. That he may sift you as we, that word ask in the Greek, and I'm not going to put a lot of words on the deal today, but the word ask in Greek literally means to demand a return. Simon, Simon, Satan is demanding for your return. In fact, the you there is not singular, it's plural. Satan is demanding y'all's return. He's going to sift you like wheat. Now, if you raised on a farm, you know what sifting is. Sifting is the shaking, it involves the wind. It's to blow away the shaft. But it's the shaking to divide between the, the shaft and the seed. Simon, listen to me. Satan is demanding your return. And he's going to sift you as wheat. It's amazing things here. Jesus doesn't, verse 31, He doesn't, uh, He gives him no lecture to try to tell him, now, Peter, watch it, watch out. He says it just matter of factly. It's gonna happen. He didn't set up any new rules of how Peter could obey them and keep out of the fray so that it wouldn't happen. And most amazing of all to me is that Jesus doesn't intervene to prevent Satan from getting to Peter. What's up with that? The enemy has a plan to destroy Peter and Jesus knows it. Peter was about to make the biggest blunder of his life and yet that life-changing wrong choice, Jesus didn't stop. But there's something very important that you see here. The enemy had to ask permission to sift him. So somebody else is in charge if the enemy has to ask permission. So let me give you a principle. Could it be that God is not afraid of what the enemy is trying to do? Because he already has a plan for a good outcome. In fact, God is so much in charge, He can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it out good. Jeremiah 29, 11 shows us that when God was saying that there's an enemy Babylon and you're going to go into captivity for 70 years and you're you're going to go there and you're going to stay there and build houses, live in them, plant vineyards, do what you do. Because it's going to be 70 years. But then he says in verse 11, For I know the the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for your welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. God is in charge. You need to hear that this morning. Doesn't matter where you're at doesn't matter where anybody else is at. I just want to declare to the heavens and to the enemy, God is in charge. Why didn't Jesus do something? He did. Verse 32. I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Isn't it amazing that we don't realize that right now at the throne of God, Jesus is making intercession for us?
0: Is there ever a
1: prayer that you find in Scripture that Jesus, that God did not answer, that Jesus prayed? If he's praying for us, I got news for you. God is going to answer it. I prayed for you. And he prayed that Peter's faith would not fail, that Peter would not be so devastated by this reality check that was about to take place in his life that his faith would not cease. But Jesus didn't just stop with the prayer. He painted a word picture for Peter of what it was going to be on the other side of his wrong choice. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew that once Peter chose to deny him, It's going to be really hard for Peter to believe that God's goodness and kindness was big enough to cover his epic failure. And Jesus sees Peter restored and a help to others because he he was going to learn from this experience. Not only did Jesus pray for him and paint a picture for him, but he prophesied Peter's future. Right in the middle of his warning... Warning him about his choice. Jesus didn't say, if you return. He said, when you have returned to me. Now this set up another choice for Peter. Would he choose to believe that the grace of God is really that amazing and God's really that good? Well, Jesus is arrested in that same chapter. He's taken to the high priest's house. And the Bible says that Peter follows afar off. In verses 54 through 62, Peter warms himself by fire. He denies in front of a servant girl. He denies in front of someone else. And then look at verse 60. But Peter says finally the third time, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. There was a part in this scripture that took me years to discover. That Peter was warming himself by a fire, but was so close that he could see Jesus and that Jesus could see him. In other words, he was still so close to Jesus that God could, Jesus could make eye contact. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine Peter's horror? Well, let me ask you, have you ever wondered what the look was? Guys, have you ever got that look? You know exactly. Children, have you ever had that look? You know? We know what it is to get up. But let me just tell you this. I don't believe Jesus looked at Peter like gotcha. I don't think Jesus looked at Peter like I'm disappointed. I don't think Jesus was shocked at all because he already knew it was going to happen. He wasn't disappointed, he wasn't shocked. What was the look? I believe what broke Peter's heart was that when Jesus made eye contact with Peter, Peter saw absolute love. He saw a Jesus who he had just turned his back on in denial. And he saw piercing through to his mind love. Unconditional, absolute, non-controversial love. And when Jesus' eyes met Peter's, his unconditional love combined with his intercession to the Father on Peter's behalf and his confidence in the Father's plan, it unlocked a path for Peter to move away from condemnation and step into repentance and receive forgiveness that was already present in the heart of God. Romans 2.4 says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Peter didn't run out and weep. I don't think because he saw himself guilty. I think he ran out and wept because he saw the love of God in what he had already done. Peter ran out in tears, but that's not the end of the story. Three days later, after Jesus was raised from the dead, it was Peter who passed John and ran on into the tomb to see the empty tomb. It was Peter. And for forty days that the risen Christ appears to them, and, and in John's gospel, twenty-first chapter. After Jesus had appeared for a few times, Jesus said, Peter says, I go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. I don't think it was a, a, a word to say, uh, I'm going to go out for some recreation. I think it was kind of what I was feeling like, I, I, I'm going back to farming. Because Peter was a fisherman. And the rest of the disciples said, we'll go with you. So they get in the boat and they fish all night. They fish and they catch nothing. When they're coming back to shore the next morning, they see someone on the shore who's prepared a fire. They've caught nothing. (laughs) And it's amazing to me, the resurrected Jesus is waiting for them on the shore. Ready to prepare a meal. To eat with them. When Peter... John says, it's the Lord. Peter takes off his cloak, jumps in, and swims to shore ahead of the boat. And it's in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, that Jesus addresses Simon again. Verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I don't know if he's saying these other disciples or if he's saying these fish. Doesn't matter. Do you love me? Verse 16. Simon. He said to him a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Verse 17. And he said to him a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? How many times had Peter denied him? How many times did Jesus ask him? Jesus, in absolute love, is restoring Peter to full fellowship, full relationship. Take out the guilt, step away from the accusations. Peter, I love you. Do you love me? Verse 19, I love this. The end of verse 19, he says, And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. But Jesus, you're the resurrected Lord. Follow me. And he said the same thing to us. After I'd told God that if he didn't come through, that I was through, I quit. Miraculously, over the next couple of months, God uh, moved in such a way that He allowed Connie and I to attend a pastor's retreat in Florida. Now, I could tell you story after story of how that all came to pass, but you don't have time. And we went to a pastor's retreat in Titusville, Florida in 1983. And at that retreat center... They had a retreat center that they had rooms like a hotel, but they didn't have numbers on the room. They had scripture promises, and Connie and I stayed in Isaiah forty thirty-one. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not faint. They shall walk and not be weary. They that wait on the Lord. God met us in Florida, transformed our lives individually and as a couple. For the first time, after quite a few years of marriage, Connie and I became one spiritually. But one afternoon, privately during that retreat, I went back to the room and I got on my knees beside the bed and I cried out to God. I had a notebook in front of me and I, I felt impressed that what He wanted me to do is write down everything that I thought was necessary, everything that I thought was important, everything that I saw that I was supposed to be doing. And I began to list out all the things, all the things that I would promised and all the things that I would committed to. And I'd listed it to this and I wrote that whole page completely full. And, and I'm sure I could have filled the back of it with all the things I thought was necessary to do what God's told me to do, what God had called me to do. And in the quietness of that moment as I was trying to just remember, if there's another one, I felt in my heart right across it passing away. And as I look back over the list, everything I'd written down would one day not exist. It was all passing away. Including me. I didn't know what to do. And in the quietness of that moment, I heard my name. Now, I'm not audibly, but here's what I heard. Daryl if you never preach another sermon, if you never pick up your Bible to read it, if you never witness to another soul or win another person to the Lord or do anything that you think is necessary, I want you to know one thing I love you. I don't love you because of anything you have done or anything that you haven't done. I love you because you are mine. I didn't know words or terms to place it, but there I do now. There was a presence that came in that room with me and upon me that overwhelmed me with the awareness that I was loved. That I was purely, unconditionally covered in love. And I remember standing up from that place and all of a sudden I recognized that there was as clear as day that the rest of my life I would spend getting to know that Jesus who loved me like that. I did all that I knew to do and it didn't matter to him. I wanted to proclaim him and respond to him who loved me. Not because of anything about me, but because I was his. God gave Connie and I a life message from that time in 1983 that Christ in you is the hope of glory. My life verse is I labor until Christ be formed in you. Matthew 11:28, listen to it again. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Jesus is saying, "Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life." I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You are going to be tested. You probably are going to be sifted. Satan intends to sift to bring all the bad to the top. God intends for the bad to come to the top so he can reveal the gold that he's put inside you. The very work that Satan is wanting to do is turned around to reveal the very provision that God has for you. So when you've blown it, when you've failed, when you've quit... The question is, what are you going to do now? Will you turn to Him? Will you run to Him who loves you with an unfailing love? One who knows the plans He has for you? Who believes the best about you? And will give you hope for your final outcome? You are His. By the blood of Jesus, you have a choice. Would you bow your heads with me? In the quietness of the moment, we're just going to, Evan's just going to play instrumentally. But in the quietness of the moment, I want you to hear Jesus. Come to me. I know. I don't care where you are today. Come to me. Come to me. I don't care what you've done. Come to me. Walk with me. Work with me. Learn the rhythm of my love and forgiveness. Trust me. I'm not going to put anything ill-fitting on you. Everything I'm going to do is going to be for your good in God's glory. Now here's this, do you love me? I know, I know all the things you can point to that looks like you don't, but let me just ask you, in your heart this morning, Jesus is asking you, do you love me? Do you love me? No one can answer that but you. I'm going to ask Evan just to play and for the moment, would you just allow your attention to be upon Jesus. Every accusation abounded in the name of Jesus Christ. Every fear, frustration, Failure. I break its power to condemn in Jesus' name. Just between you and Jesus, do you love me?
0: Jesus is saying, I love you. Love me. And he invites us all to come to him and answer that question and answer his other question Will you follow me? And as Pastor Joel just said, no one can answer that question but us. As much as we want to answer that question for our children. As much as we want to answer it for our parents, or our family, or our co-workers, or our friends, or the world, the only one that we can answer that question for is ourself. And Jesus is saying, come to me if you're tired and weary, and I'll give you rest. In Acts 4, it says that they heard the word and believed. And they were added to their number in salvation. It says there's no salvation, there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that name is the name of Jesus Christ. The only way, the only truth, the only life. It's our heart and prayer that we all answer that question with yes, Father. We love you and we'll follow you. Thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit, your helper, to enable us to do that. We give you all praise and glory and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to thank you once again for joining us. Uh, for worship this morning. Uh, If you answered that question for the first time this morning, I encourage you to talk to myself or Pastor Daryl. You could also fill out a Connect card in the foyer or on our online website. Uh, One of the first things that Jesus said to those that believed was, if you believe and want to follow me, then be baptized. And you may not have any idea what that means, but... Um, it's the first act of obedience that he calls us to. And so uh, if you want to know more about that and would like to be baptized and follow him in obedience, come talk to us and we will uh, talk to you about that and teach you about that and, and help you uh, walk in that uh, path to following Christ. Uh, Before you go, I just want to share two quick announcements. The first is if you want to connect with uh, NCC uh, or just learn more about us, we're going to have an in-person Connect class in the month of October. Uh, You can also uh, check out that class online at any time. Uh, On our webpage, on the homepage, there is a uh, Get Connected link. Just click on that and it will take you to those. Um, Also, our NCC Kids uh, and our Wednesday Night Life group that meet here at the church won't be meeting this week. There's a homecoming parade on Wednesday night, and many of our kids and those families will be participating in the parade and going to that. So uh, we just encourage you to be the church and the community on Wednesday night. I believe some of our uh, other home groups that meet in homes may be meeting, so just check with your life group leader on that. Uh, But there won't be any here at the the church this uh, Wednesday. Middle school and high school youth will be meeting this evening. Doors open at 4.30. If you've got a middle schooler or a high schooler, we invite you to come uh, just connect with them. It's an awesome ministry, and we'll help build that foundation uh, in your kids' and youth's lives uh, to follow Jesus. Y'all be blessed, and have a great week. Thank you for being with us this morning.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's message.